We're going to get into the message this morning as we look at the story of the Magi um, and uh, continuing this series called Finding Hope. All right, we launched from the book of Romans uh, and, and, and we, we, we talked about Advent, hope and joy and peace and love, the things that we look forward to uh, as we anticipate Christmas Day and what that meant for them the first, very first Christmas and try to apply it to our life now. Because you know those things, hope, joy, peace, love, absent Christmas, they don't exist in the world. I mean, those... Yeah, it's not just like he used those, he brought those, he created those for us. They, ex- they do not exist without that gift of Christmas. Um, so this morning we're going to talk about giving. Check out this quick video to kind of get our minds and hearts in the right place. The heart of that little video is what we want to talk about today, the spirit of giving. We've, we've all been kids, uh, we've had kids or been around kids, and we know that anticipation uh, for Christmas is exciting. And, and, uh, and our little girl, Rosie, she's 11, she's very much like uh, uh, that little boy in that you know, when we get Bethany a gift or I'll help her and we'll get a gift, she cannot wait. I mean, she gets really more excited about giving her that gift. We never make it to birthdays or, I mean, it, it never fails. I'll say, don't do it. Don't, no, no, let's save it. Let's save it. Let's hide it. You just can't do it. Like, 
if she if she if she can't give it to her, she just tells her what it is, and so we just end up letting her go ahead and give it to her. This morning, what we want to talk about is the spirit of giving, and I was listening to a song. Um, it was a it was a rendition of "Oh Come Let Us Adore Him," and uh, they they went into this refrain at the end of that song where they started using this verse, really just singing the verse from Romans eleven thirty six that says, "For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things." For of him or from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And they were just singing this. To, you have to, we give you the glory. You deserve the glory. And they were singing, we bring all that we have and lay it at the feet of the newborn king. And I was, I was reading, or I was listening to that and I was studying. I had my earbuds on and... Um, and I was thinking about this story. I read this passage in chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 uh, in Matthew, about the story of the Magi, the wise men. We, we've heard this story our whole life. If you know anything about the nativity story, um, you, you know this story. Not always has it been accurate what we learned or have known about it, um, but in general we know the story. And I was thinking, um, what did they, and I was thinking about the gifts they brought. Right, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, which we all know. And it was like God hit me all of a sudden and just shared three things they gave that was not the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, so I want you to just hang with me this morning as we look at three things that these, uh, these, these magi or wise men, we're going to talk about them just a little bit, three things they gave that were not the gifts, okay? And we're going to take that, we're going to apply it to our heart and say, how can we be more like that? And what does that mean to us? What does it mean to you? What does it mean uh, to me? You want me to give you all three right now, and then that way you don't have to wait in anticipation. Here, you can go ahead and jot it down, and we're going to talk about each of them. Uh, they gave up, they gave in, and they gave away. All right, you're going you, uh, to go on this journey with me, okay? They gave up, they gave in, and they gave away. Let's look at the verses, and then we'll say, what is he talking about? Matthew 2, 1 says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and ask, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. As I go through these verses, I'm going to just kind of break it down and give you the context and break down, and then we'll jump into my three points, okay? The Magi, let's look at these characters first. Um, uh, these characters of the Magi, they were uh, wise men, likely astrologers. They came, uh, they studied the stars. They came from what was uh, known as Persia at one time, or used to be ancient Babylon. Um, this is a long journey uh, that they've made. Um, they were the word magi translated here. It's also translated in the New Testament magician, sorcerer. These were not Christians. These were not Jews, more than likely. It is possible they could have been Jews left over in Babylon from captivity, uh, but. For Matthew's audience of writing this book, who would have been predominantly Jewish, they would have seen these men as anything but religious. 
anything but of the fold, okay? They would have been totally outside of the context and wondered why in the world are these people coming to worship this baby, okay? That's who these people are. And it says they came uh, during the time of King Herod. This was Herod the Great, um, and uh, he had some respect from the Jews there because he did keep some amount of peace, but he was, uh, he was a terrible person. He was super paranoid. You've seen leaders that are super paranoid about people who may try to usurp their authority or overtake them or competition. And uh, he, he was so violent, he basically murdered any rival that came his way, whether it was perceived or real, whether he thought you were against him. It was just uh, so much so that he murdered most of, almost his entire family. Okay, one author wrote, it would be safer to be King Herod's pig than his family. All right, I could have just said that, and you would have got the picture of this guy. So you have in this situation Jesus born in Bethlehem uh, in Judea during the time of King Herod, and then the Magi come from the east. They came to Jerusalem. Jerusalem would have been the city of Judea. It would have been the place that it got to first. And they started asking, where's the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. And what happens? Total chaos. They've all been waiting for this Messiah, this new king of the Jews. And it says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. This is, they didn't have Facebook, but if it, they would have, this would have gone viral. Okay, these crazy people, we always say there's three. The Bible never says there's three. There were three gifts, so somewhere we just said uh, the one gift for each person. You know, we decided three. We don't know how many there were, but they show up. These, these what would have been priests or astronomers or astrologers kind of looked like what we would imagine they looked like. They were not kings. But they show up in Jerusalem and say, we saw his star. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? And the very people who have, should have seen this coming and known that he was here started asking questions. What, is he, what are these people talking about and why are they here? So King Herod, he calls together all of his priests and his leaders, and he says, he says tell me, because uh, King Herod worked for Rome, right? So he brings all the Jewish priests together and the teachers of the law, and he asks them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And so they quote scripture, prophecy, in Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet was written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. So he would know how old Jesus was, was where he was getting at. Because we imagine, and lots of times in nativity scenes or stories... Uh, the wise men show up right after Jesus was born. And essentially all scholars agree that that is probably not true. They traveled a long distance to come see Jesus. He likely would have been uh, from six months to two years old by this time, and they were still in Bethlehem. So I'm giving you a lot of background context to understand this story, and then we're going to talk about uh, the Magi. It says he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. 
Anybody have a, a lie radar? Lie, red flag, he's lying. He's not wanting to go worship this newborn king. He is super paranoid, right? He is thinking, uh, one, he knows he's not the rightful heir to the throne to be the king of the Jews. And so maybe this really is a threat. And he does not want to go worship him. He wants to kill him. Verse 9 says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So that's the story of these magi, of the wise men that show up on Jesus' doorstep. Part of me likes to imagine this as a story as uh, Mary and Joseph uh, are there, they're at home, and Jesus, you know, I got a little boy that's two, and so if, if he was two, I imagine what that would have been like, and these three guys knock at the door, right? And you open the door, and it's been some time for Mary and Joseph since they've had this confirmation of who Jesus was. I mean, the angel spoke to Joseph. The angel spoke to Mary. They knew Jesus was a chosen one. When he went to get circumcised, when he was eight, eight days old, nine days old, Simeon confirmed, like, this is the one that I've been waiting for. All these prophecies have been fulfilled in him. But all of a sudden, these three complete strangers that don't look like anybody else show up at their door and fall down and begin to worship the little one. And I, as I thought about that and think about that situation, here's the things that I see. As I was thinking about listening to that song, they said, we bring everything and lay down the newborn king. The first thing that hit me was that these wise men, uh, the, the magi, uh, they gave up. And you say, wait, we're Christians. We're supposed to persevere, push through uh, to the end. We're, we're supposed to, you know, you all know my, the story about what's written uh, on this stage underneath where I stand every Sunday morning before we laid the carpet down. I wrote the verse that says, uh, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind me, I press on toward the prize. The goal is not being accomplished. We press on. But th these wise men, and, 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 and God calls us at the same time, when we find hope, because they found hope, they gave some things up. Okay? Well, what did they give up? Um, this journey, right? You all decided, let's go to Pike. We'll go to church this morning. Some of you live in Pike. Well, some of you don't. But you decided, let's go to church. They decided, we're going to go, this star has shown up. We're going to go find this newborn king. Okay, they put their whole life on hold. All right, when they found hope, when they found what was real, when, when God overwhelmed them with the truth of who he was and the power to organize the stars, they gave some things up. The first thing I thought of was comfort. Right, they had a, a way of life. They were living, they were doing things. 
all of a sudden they did not hop in their Yukon and head toward Jerusalem. Okay? They were walking. They were on donkeys. Days, months, maybe over a year of travel. Over because God had impressed upon them, because they had found real hope, they were willing to give some things up. They gave up comfort. They gave up their place. Sometimes God calls us to get up and move, okay? They gave up safety. They gave up their their place and and they would not they would have had some elevated status right that now they're traveling across foreign lands and places that look at them and don't know who they are and why they're important it didn't matter anymore they gave up their status In Romans 12, 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Giving up, what are you saying, Jared? I'm saying we are called to sacrifice. There are some things in your life, in my life, that we have held on to that God is asking us to let go of. He's asking us to give it up. I wrote a whole list of things. I'll probably read them all. You don't have to write them all down. But as I thought about this, I think, what, God, what, what could you be asking us to give up? What do you want me to give up? Now, I'm just going to read some of these, and some of them will hit you, and some will hit your neighbor, and they might, I mean, if they hit you all, man, I'm sorry, Um, because most of them will probably hit me too. Uh, Let's say, I mean, let's start with the, the, the simple things. Greed. Do you know how fast pursuit of wealth can distract us from God's call in our life? And God is saying, give it up. Uh, A search for security in the wrong places and the wrong people. uh, uh, A search, a longing for acceptance by the wrong people. Dreams that might just be very self-serving dreams that we're holding on to and saying, but I wanted to do that. I wanted to be that. That was me. That was me. That was, that's what I want. And God is saying, if you're going to follow me, you've got to lay some things down. You've got to die to yourself. Maybe he's telling us to give up the quart of ice cream a night. Or the weekly pizzas or the, the, the food in our life. Maybe these things have really got a hold of you. And God's saying, for, the, you were fulfilling these selfish things. And, and listen, that one's, uh, to me, I love food. Nobody loves food more than me. Thank you. Maybe he's telling us to give up 
maybe an hour of our Netflix a week to spend with our kids. Maybe he's asking us to, to give up a little social media. Maybe he's asking us to, to give up the credit card. <laughs> I don't know what it is in your life that the devil is using that has got you completely blinded and it feels okay, it's not completely wrong, but it is distracting you and me from the truth and from the role that he has for us to play. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's regret. Maybe it's negativity. Maybe it's laziness. It's real easy in these times where people are working from home, we're doing school from home, all of a sudden we used to get up every morning at 7, we got ready and we were, we were productive by 8 o'clock and now we're, we're productive by maybe 11, maybe by lunch. And uh, what that, the productive hours we spent in the morning, now we're staying late, up later and doing very little productive things. Maybe he's saying, listen, we got work to do. It's time to give up those things. Sacrifice. I don't know what it is in your life. I'd love for you to think about it, to pray about it. God, ask God this sincere question right now and say, God, what do you want me to give up? for you what is it that is holding me back in Hebrews chapter 12 it says lay aside every weight that hinders us to run this race that's not just blatant sin it is the things that are distracting us that is weighing us down from the path that, that the writer of Hebrews says was set before us how powerful is that, that God has a plan and a purpose for you, and there is a call for you to give up some things to do it. God's asking us to give up, but he's also uh, asking us to give in. And it's kind, of a, it's kind of the same process. Once we give up and once we surrender, once, once, uh, or once we sacrifice and we're willing to give up some things, then we find in our heart the ability to surrender. <laughs> Part of giving up is giving in. And so these magi, they could have very easily seen the star in the sky and been like, there's a thing that's probably from, remember those old, that old book we read from the, you know, the, the Jews and prophecy said there's going to be a star when the newborn king came, and they could have talked about it. And moved on with life. But instead they were so overwhelmed. And I'm asking has there ever been a time in your life. That you've been so overwhelmed by God's presence. That he has presented it to you in such a way. That he is real and that he loves you. And in that moment he asked us to give up some things. To sacrifice and then surrender to him. Matthew 16 Chapter 16, chapter 16, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 
You see, sometimes we can't even get enough energy and motivation and sacrifice to go knock on a neighbor's door. And we've got this great example of these magi who put everything on hold. I mean, dropped everything in their life. And set out on this uncomfortable, uncertain journey because they knew that from him and through him and to him are all things. And the least they could do was give up the little temporary things that felt good and felt right and all their friends did and surrender to the start and say, I'm all in because if I'm going to find life, I'm not going to find it in the credit card. I'm not going to find life in the next meal. I'm not going to find life in my selfishness and bitterness and negativity. I'm going to find life in Bethlehem. Mark 10, 28, Peter began to say to him, Behold, we've left everything and followed him. Behold, we have left everything and followed you. Maybe this is a deep call for Christmas Sunday morning. But I think it's the call that God has put out is that if we are going to follow him, we have to deny ourselves. The third thing they gave, so they gave, at, they gave up, they gave in, and then they gave away. It's very much an act of service. That once they got there, and we've heard the sermons and the stories of the gold, the frankincense and the myrrh, gold for royalty. A frankincense for the priestliness. Uh, a Merv because pre-telling uh, uh, pre the death that he would die. These gifts have very much spiritual connotations and speak to who Jesus really was. But more importantly, they came there to give away some things. Things that were valuable to them. And if you go back to the story I was sharing, getting that mindset, the knock on the door, right? Those people are here, and, and, and just immediately after this, if you go read in uh, verse 13, it says, After the Magi leave, that Herod finds out that where they are in about the age of the boy, and he, he sends out this decree. This is much like Moses. If you go back and read the story of Moses, there's lots of parallels here. And he says, I want you to go to Bethlehem, and I want you to murder every child that's about this age trying to get rid of Jesus. Remember Easter? Remember what? Anybody remember the title of the, the sermon on Easter this year? It was unstoppable. Right? God's will is in play. Herod the Great, he may be able to stop a lot of things, but he cannot stop the will of God for taking place here. But so this happens in this time and place, and all of a sudden, you know how God works things out in your life. I imagine Mary and Joseph not being much different. Like, I mean, struggling to get by. Uh, they're in a new town and a new place. Then this decree comes out, and and uh, and 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 it says the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Says, "Get up." He says, "Get up and take this child and mother and escape to Egypt." And all of a sudden, they had just been brought these very expensive gifts. You know, if you're going to go to Egypt right now, all of us would probably say, I need the credit card. But they have gold and frankincense 
and were very likely impossible that God was just providing for his plan and his purpose in these things. Hebrews 13, 16 says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. When we give up, give in, and give away. Think about these magi. And I imagine as they were seeing this baby Jesus, one year old, six months old, two years old, however old he is. And I started thinking about him. And, and I thought, maybe this picture you've painted for me, Lord, is the picture of you, actually. Maybe you gave up some things. Philippians 2 says, In your relationship will another have the same mindset as Christ, who being, in very, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. That, that little, the, the baby that was there was God of all creation. He, he, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was, he was our creator in the flesh. That he had all the right to stay on his throne in heaven. And yet he gave it up. It says he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. He found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, the very... People who had been waiting, expecting, waiting on Jesus were not bowed. But here were these Gentiles showing that God, that Jesus did not just come to be king of the Jews. But he come to fulfill the complete law and open up hope and mercy and grace to all. Jesus gave up. We know the story in the Garden of Gethsemane. We know the times he said, I must be about my father's business. And then there in the garden where he prayed so hard, he was sweating drops of blood, and he said, not my will, but yours where he gave in to the Father's will, where he surrendered. And then we find he gave away. He gave away his righteousness. He gave away his life. Who did he give it to? To each and every one who would believe. He gave it with mercy and grace. 
Romans 5.17 says, For if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. And, you are, uh, and John 5.4 says, And you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. For from him and through him and to him are all things. So taking this moment and this time and this story as we think about those three things. That you personally, individually, in your life and your family. God is saying what? This is just. I'm asking these questions for myself. God, what do you want me to give up? God, have I not surrendered as far and as fully as you've asked me to? Have I said it with my mouth and then lived it with my life or not? And God, how can I serve? What can I give away? Because all things are from him, through him, and to him. They're not mine. They're not yours. We're just stewards in this short time on this earth to shine a light as bright as we can. To share the story of this baby Jesus who gave up all his right to kingship. Who gave in to the surrender and the will of his father. Who gave away the most precious gift that's ever been given. I ask you those three things this morning. And maybe you've never given your heart to Christ. Come here, Harker. Come here. What? You scared of your dad? Come here. You know, come here. No. Yeah, it's a tractor. That's cool. What does he ask us to give up? What is he asking us to give into that we've been saying, no, no, not going. I'm not giving I'm not giving this up to go to that. Too comfortable. It's too easy right now. It feels safe. It's secure. It's it's certain. What are we holding on to? He's saying, give it away. Just give it away. Could be time. It could be money. It could be, I don't know. But these three kings, if you will, even though we know they're not kings and we don't know if there were three, but there's a whole song about it. They gave it all up. Surrendered completely and gave away incredibly valuable things. Maybe they had more. Maybe it was just a little bit of what they had. But for Mary and Joseph, it would have changed their life that day that they received those gifts. Can we do the same? Can we do the same? God, we just pray.
today that we just take this heart of three people that we would look at and say they're not Christians. They don't even they, they don't even look like us. They don't even look like people who would have followed you. And yet they surrendered more than all of the Jews around them. God, there there are times you just show us blatant things that are telling us, look, these people, they don't look like you, they don't act like you, they don't sound like you, but they are doing it right. They are surrendering to me. They are giving it all up for me. And you've put on a front of self-righteousness and think you are, and I'm just calling you in this moment to reflect and repent and look at your life and say, God, they gave it up. I want to give up some things. God, in this moment, we surrender and we give in to you. Whatever, uh, as, as a pastor of this church, I speak collectively on our congregation and all that are listening and and part of this movement. God, we surrender to whatever it is you have for us. We'll give up our dreams for your dreams. And God, just like we're doing with these do-for-ones and giving back to the community, what you give us, we'll give away. And we'll be good stewards of God, I pray for every person listening as they ask these three questions about their own life that we know you dwell inside of every believer, that you guide us, you direct us, that that you are calling us to places and we can quench you, we can silence you, silence you by choosing our own selves over your will. This morning we ask for help not to do that. God, if there's anybody listening that has never surrendered and given you their life. God, what a great day. What a great time to just give up the search for purpose, the search for uh, uh, to, to get rid of the guilt, the search for, 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 for why they're alive, this, the, the search for Uh, happiness and joy in all the wrong places. God, they just give in to your call. And God, we ask all of this in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing one more song with Waylon. It's going to lead us in this song. It says, uh, have you made room in your heart for me? And, um, and, and so let's just listen to the words of this song together. If you're here, the altar is open. You can come pray if God's put it on your heart to pray. If you're at home, I'd encourage you to pray with your family. Talk to your family about these three things. This, the, we're walking into Christmas. We are five days away. Somebody's excited. Somebody's counting down. And God said, have we got lost in the mess again this year? Draw us to the right place. Show us what you want us to do in the next five days.